morning. Every morning is a good morning. Every morning is a good morning in the presence of God. This Sunday morning, I want to welcome you, and we want to continue right where we left off last week. In fact, I, 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 want to, I want to release a word to you that I believe has the power to address the things that we are addressing every day. And all of us are, having, are being affected by these issues, by racial issues, by gender issues, by religious conflict, by political and ethnic uh, division. All of us are being faced with it. And I believe that God has a word that addresses every one of them. And I want to do that with you this morning. Father, I thank you for all that are here and listen. Would you open our ears, Lord? Would you open our hearts? that we might be able to step into what you're doing. We thank you for your word that gives direction, your word that feeds us, your word that inspires us, and your word even that breaks up every place in our heart that's hard and gives us a heart, a new heart like yours. Lord, would you make it possible today? Make it so in the heart of every year. And I thank you for this. In the mighty name, his name is matchless, Jesus. And all of you said, amen. I want you to turn with me. It's, it's really amazing. Um, I actually shared part of this last week, but I, wanna, I want to, to present it to you in a fresh way, in a, in, a, in a different way. I want you to go to Luke 10, because in Luke 10, uh, Jesus is confronted. He's confronted with a lawyer. You know, lawyers are particularly very intelligent. They know the law backwards and forwards. And the Bible says this lawyer was actually coming to Jesus to test him, to test him. It's amazing. And he said to him, he said, teacher, he said, what must I do? Notice his question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And, um, and, and the Lord responded to him. He said, well, what is written in the law? What does the law say? How do you read it? Very powerful question. Because when we read the word of God, we always read it out of our history, out of our knowledge, and out of our experience. Jesus said to the lawyer, how do you read it? And he answered, this is what I read, Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus looked at him. And he said, ah, well said. That's correct. Jesus replied. He said, do this and you will live. But this lawyer, he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to come to Jesus like he had never ever sinned. Or he was never short of the law. The Bible says in order to justify himself, he asked Jesus another question. You know, you got to be careful when you ask the Lord because the Lord, he knows the, the answer. And he said, Jesus, he said, who then is my neighbor? I, I believe when the Lord addresses this issue, he does it in two ways. He does it in illustration and he does it in demonstration. Check this out. He, demonst he illustrated this issue about what the lawyer asked him. Who is my neighbor? <clears throat> then Luke 10, 30 says, and Jesus replied to this lawyer. He didn't give him a direct answer. He gave him a story. And most of you know this story. 
A man was going down. Doesn't tell us what kind of man. Doesn't tell us his, his, uh, his, his, his culture, his color. Uh, doesn't, doesn't tell us any of those things. But he said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And, when he, and he fell into the hands of robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And Jesus goes on to tell the story without directly answering the lawyer's question. And he said, Jesus said, someone came by. There was a priest who came by and passed on the other side of the road. He avoided any confrontation with this situation. And then he said, not only that, but a little later, a Levite, he came and he went on the other side of the road, not wanting to be confronted with the pain and the problem before him. And he passed on. And then Jesus went on to tell the story, but then there came a Samaritan. I want you to take, check this out. The way the Lord answered his question, who then is your neighbor? He started positionally from priest to Levite to the bottom rung in their minds, Samaritan. A Samaritan came by, half-breed. In fact, many Samaritans were looked at like dogs. Many Samaritans in Jesus' day looked upon Jews, looked upon Samaritans much like some people have viewed African Americans or how some Americans have viewed Chinese Americans or Asian Americans or Hispanic Americans. It is amazing, or Latino may be a better way to describe that. I'm still learning the jargon and I want to be correct about it. Jesus said to this lawyer, this Samaritan, the lowest one, the lowest on the lowest rank, he came by, he saw the same man on the ground, everything taken, stripped, beaten, half dead. And the Bible says he had compassion on him. He saw him and he felt something. He couldn't just keep going. He couldn't just avoid the situation. He troubled himself. He, the Bible says he went to that man, poured oil in his wounds. He bound him up, put him on his own beast, took him to a hotel, put some money down on his room, and told the innkeeper, if he spends any more than this, I'll, I'll, I'll square it with you when I come back. Wow. And then he looked at the lawyer Jesus did after he told the story. He said to the lawyer, which of these, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, which of these was a neighbor to the man who had fallen among thieves? A redefinition of neighbor is what Jesus does. May I say to all of us, neighbor is not the next door across the street person. Jesus is redefining what it is. How do you have eternal life? And then the Lord said to this lawyer, this Samaritan, this Samaritan who, who had compassion for him, he said to the lawyer, he said, which one of these, the priest, the Levite, or the lawyer, which of these is his neighbor? And then you could imagine a troubling look on the face of the lawyer. He said to him, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Jesus is illustrating what it is to love your neighbor. 
or put it this way, what it is to have the kingdom of God in your life, how you treat what is despicable, what is, re what is rejected, what is looked down upon. It's an amazing story, and yet he goes on not just to illustrate the story, he goes on to demonstrate the story. And you'll find in Luke 10, it said these things. Rather, you'll find in John, in John chapter 4, verse 5, you'll see Jesus actually demonstrating what it is, who is, and how you treat your neighbor. And so he came to a Samaritan. The Bible said he came to Samaria and uh, near the plot of ground where Jacob had given his son, his son Joseph, had given him a plot of ground, and, and Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was tired, and it was the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. And he sat down by the well. And then an interesting occurrence happened. Verse 7 says, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? For his disciples who normally served him were not with him. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her. Woman, if you knew the gift of God, I want you to hear these words today. This morning, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she said, sir, you have nothing to draw with and this well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered him, everyone who drinks this water, pointing to the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Mm, if you'll give me a moment this morning, I believe that the Lord would show us how the Lord attacks what he thinks about and how he deals with gender differences, racial differences, religious division, political and ethnic division. You see, while Jesus was resting at that well, a Samaritan woman who came up to draw water, she arrives um, and she upsets and creates a crisis for traditional Jewish customs of the day. She comes, first of all, at a time when most people have already drawn the water, and so she's alone. And for a woman to approach a man in these days was not, was not common and actually not even appropriate. But Jesus, nonetheless, he asked her, give me a drink of water. Not only did Jews avoid contact with Samaritans, but Jewish men avoided speaking to women in public. It was considered rude, brash, forward. Can you imagine? In fact, some Jewish men didn't even talk to their own wives in public. 
Jewish rabbis, Jewish rabbis wanted women to stay in their place. Doesn't fly well with most women today. And men certainly would not talk about theological and political issues with a woman. The normal prejudices of that day prohibit public conversation, public conversation between men and women, between Jews and Samaritans, and especially between strangers. Isn't that interesting? But Jesus was not that way. You know, for most Jewish rabbis, they'd, they'd go thirsty before they'd ask another person of another culture, let alone a woman, to give them a, a drink of water. Jesus was not that way. Can you imagine, can you imagine the rabbinic view of this questionable, half-breed Samaritan woman? And Jesus is not moved negatively at all by her presence, by her culture, by her religion, she even gets into a little bit of a debate, a religious debate about who worships where. And Jesus very calmly talks with her, converses with her. You know, Samaria today, as in those days, represents much of what our culture is about. The same divisions that we experience are the same divisions they were experiencing. When Jesus spoke about loving your neighbor and defining who your neighbor is, he controversially says, he says, your neighbor is a Samaritan. Your neighbor is the person you don't really want to hang with. Your neighbor is a person that is not particularly loved by your culture. And, and the, the Spirit of God is speaking to the church today defining for us, redefining for the church and redefining for the nation. Who is your neighbor? You understand how you treat your neighbor is a judgment whether or not eternal life is dwelling inside of you or not. The Spirit of God would speak to the church today and would speak to all of us today in the same way that Jesus spoke to the woman. He commanded, he was a commandment to love your neighbor. The very people, this is amazing, the very people that are oppressing you are the people we are commanded to love. And Jesus goes beyond illustration and, and becomes the demonstration for what he's asking this woman and how he's replying to this lawyer. And the woman said, how can you ask me for a drink? Can you imagine her attitude? First of all, you a man, what you doing? What you doing talking to me? And then on top of that, you're going to command me? Give you a drink? She said to him, as she speaks in chapter 4 of, of John, she says, uh, uh, look, you're a man, I'm a woman. So why are we talking? I'm a Samaritan, you are a Jew. Why are we talking? Hey, you know what? Your people are my oppressors. Why are we talking? You go to the street today and see the division in our culture. Is it not the same division? And here it is Jesus, unmoved by anything she says. Not, in the, not only does he hold, hold his ground, he continues in the conversation. And he, he, he responds to her in an, in an, in an incredible way. 
when she said, how can you ask me for a drink? It must have been so nauseating. I, I've still wondered to this day whether Jesus really got his drink. We're not really told whether he really got the drink or not. It doesn't appear he ever got the water he asked for, at least not the water from the well. Here's how the Lord re responded to her. If you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it was who's asking water for you, from you, you would have asked him for water, and he would have given you living water. Jesus answered, everyone, he's answering, talking right to the woman, everybody who drinks from this well, they're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. You have to ask a question, what is the gift of God? He said, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask me, what is the gift of God? And what is living water? You know, the Old Testament speaks about it. In the New Testament, it opens and we are re it's revealed to us. In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3 says something like this. It says, therefore, with joy, you will draw water. You will draw water from the wells, from the springs of salvation. It's a it's a a prophecy. This woman didn't know that she was right in the midst of that prophecy at that well about to taste of the water that continually quenches your thirst. And so it is in the Old Testament, it draws this analogy between water and blessings. In Psalm 51, David understood, he prayed, he said, Lord, purify me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Ezekiel understood it when he said, in his prophecy, he said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will be careful to observe all of my ordinances. In other words, Ezekiel said, the water I give you will cause you to do not only what you're supposed to do, you want to do what you're supposed to do. I will change your very nature, this water from heaven, this water from God. When you drink it, you never thirst again. And this woman had no idea what Jesus was speaking of. The New Testament also speaks of this water. <laughs> what, what is this water of life? Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God, Jesus said, he said, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. For Ephesians says it's by grace, by grace that you've been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is God promising the promise of his spirit that transforms your life from the inside out, that deals with your attitude, that deals with your pain, 
that deals with your rejection in the same way this woman had great pain and rejection because the Lord went on in, in his conversation and she said, she said, Lord, give me this water. And the Lord said, okay, you want this water? Tell you what, go get your husband and, and you both come back here. And the woman dropped her head, I can imagine, and she said, Lord, I, I, don't, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, which is very powerful for her to admit that publicly, she said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you said right. You're right. Her confession was true. And he said, you have had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not yours. Who can you imagine what that woman was thinking? Never seen this man in her life. And now he's reading her story. He's reading her cards. He's reading her life. And she is overcome. But it sets her free. Because when Jesus gives her truth, her truth does not condemn his truth, does not condemn her. When he gives her truth about her life, that truth doesn't drive her away. He doesn't use the truth as a sword to cut her or injure her. Jesus gave a truth that opened her heart and allowed her to see her life spoken through the one who created her. And even though she didn't know it, God was setting her free. His truth not only did it not condemn her, his truth had compassion in it. His truth reached out to her with open hands and open arms. Jesus gave her truth with compassion and that brought conviction over her and she actually got excited. This Jew, this woman, this politically, this politically diverse or adverse, this theological argument that all was going on is now being solved with the revelation of her life, her innermost secrets dealing with her sin. As I come to you today, I'm going to ask you a question. You know, what, what has God told you to give him? He said to the woman, give me a, give me a water. Give me some water. What does God ask of you? The Lord Jesus comes to you and he asks you to serve him. And it, it infuriated her in the beginning, but when she realized who it was that asked of her, she totally changed her whole attitude. How is Jesus asking you to serve him? And if we reverse the question, who is Jesus asking you to serve? Is it possible that the Lord is giving us a key to bringing healing to the wound of our nation. The audacity of God to ask you to serve somebody who can't stand you or you didn't like. And yet, when there is a, when there is a need and you meet that need, it melts all walls. It solves all political problems. They're set aside. When you help somebody at that depth, it changes everything in their life. My, my brother, my sister, when the Lord wants to solve the problem of gender divide, gender does not matter. As Galatians said, in the kingdom of God, neither male nor female. Mm. 
neither poor nor rich. Mm. All become one. Who is God asking you to serve? In this time of political unrest, racial divide, you can't change the world, but you can change your world. I like what the Atlanta coach said just a few weeks ago. I said it last week. He spoke, he's speaking to the Atlanta players in the locker room. He said, you can't change the world, but you can change this locker room. Our relationships can be right. Had you ever thought that you are the solution to what we're facing in our culture? Man of God, woman of God, people of God, who is Christ asking you to serve? And what is he asking you to give? The first thing you need to do if this is repulsive to you, is you need to give Christ your heart. You need to answer the call. You need to open your heart to God, who, his, who has what is needed to pour in the healing balm, to heal the wounds that you have suffered from the hands of other genders, other cultures, other races, other political positions. God is the one who's able to heal that in your heart and make the two who are separated, make them into one. It begins with your heart. Let me pray for you today. I want you to ask God to come deal with you. And I want you to give attention to what God and who God is asking you to serve. And maybe it's your turn to give someone the water of life. Or maybe it's your turn to receive the water of life from someone. And isn't it amazing that God would send people to you who are not like you to serve that to you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person today that you are soliciting, calling them to be the solution and not the problem. You're calling them to do the unthinkable, to meet the needs of those whom we cannot stand or who cannot stand us. I thank you, Heavenly Father, like the woman who ran home, told everybody, lost her shame, lost her pain, brought the whole city out to see Jesus. Oh God, would you work in the hearts of those who hear and understand the word today? Change them inside, Father. Heal them inside. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for those who pray for that healing, that forgiveness. I thank you for giving them that incredible new start and mission. Make it so, Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who ask in Jesus' name. And amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you make a note on, would you, would you make a note, prayed, would you do that? Those of you who are watching now, would you make a note? where you can make a comment, prayed. We, we'd love to continue to pray for you. We'd love to connect with you. We're on a mission, and you're part of it. God bless you. We'll see you next week.